I'm Dean Turple, and this is Dean Turple's podcast. Today is Friday, November 13th, Friday the 13th in this year. It's either going to be a really great day or who knows, right? There's probably some memes out there about Friday the 13th in 2020 already. And I'm wishing everybody a really good week and a good weekend. So it's an interesting week this week, right? Classes canceled on Monday and no class on Wednesday. Kind of confusing. Felt like I was playing catch up the whole week. I'm sure you did too. Um, And I'm sure your week was thrown off by no class on Monday. So yesterday was the Katherine Krauss lecture series presentation for fall on human trafficking. And I just want to say how much I appreciate everybody's attendance at that. Uh, It was kind of a big deal for me because uh, Dr. Solani, one of the presenters, is a good friend and a mentor of mine for many years. And she called me right afterwards and said, you know, I'm so impressed. Your nursing students were there. They were engaged. They were asking great questions and giving great suggestions. They stayed the whole time. She said, I'm so impressed. Um, So thank you so much for that. It was an interesting topic. And I know there's a lot of interest in it. And of course, as nurses, we know, right? We, we knew it anyway, but the last year has brought it home to us how involved we are with people. And, you know, especially now, how we have the opportunity to really help people when they have nobody else in their lives. So um, I'm impressed with all of you and the ideas you brought forward. And I think this is something that we can certainly keep working on. Yesterday, I also had the opportunity to meet with the pre-medicine club here at Broward College. So these are students who are not yet in a program. Some of them are still in high school. Some of them are in the dual enrollment program, interested in a career in the health sciences. And that was really fun. It's a fun group. They had great questions, and I so appreciate them. Um, A couple of things I wanted to talk about are the things that are going on right now, and I know I touched on this last week, and I just want to reiterate this over and over and over so that everybody really understands where we are and what we're doing. So currently, hospitals are coming back online for clinicals slowly but surely. I don't know how long it's going to last. Cases are going up. I think that we're at about 10% again in Broward County. So I I really don't know. I don't know how long they're gonna allow us to be there. I'm hoping that they realize that we are and can be part of their workforce and very helpful. And I think that has been the case, but as an overall organization, they may need to limit the number of people there. So while we have spots and as they come back online, we are using those spots. That is a definite, that is a decision by me The Surgeon General for the state of Florida has said that they give pretty much at the discretion of the dean or program director at each school, and I'm the dean and program director. I don't make these decisions in a vacuum. These aren't just off the top of my head. I take everybody's safety into consideration. I take, you know, faculty, students, staff, everybody. But I also have a responsibility to the program, to the faculty, to the staff, and mostly to the students. And in conversations with the hospitals, it comes up over and over that they are concerned, as you are, about how prepared for practice students will be as new graduates with having limited clinical. And they are finding that 
just in the past six months, it's been very much of a challenge for them. And from a resources perspective, it costs them a lot of resources when they hire somebody who isn't adequately prepared or isn't well prepared for, for the clinical interaction with students. So they are seeing more and more that it actually is better use of their resources to have students there. And we know that we need to prepare students well, so we are going to be using any clinical spots that we have. So just like last week when I told you guys I've kind of gotten hit from both directions, it's happening again, where some students are saying, how dare you make us go to the hospital? And some students are saying, how dare you not give me a clinical spot at the hospital? This is very much a lottery type system. We don't even look at names. We just put groups together. And I'm sorry if it doesn't you know, bend the way you want, but this is how we're doing it. You always have the option to sit out a term so that you don't have to attend clinical on campus or at the hospital. That is your option. You can come back in. We are not going to hold that against you. You can sit out a term. If that's what you feel you need to do for your safety, then definitely you should do it. This is something that's happening across all health sciences programs here at Broward College. Um, this is sort of the stance we've taken that definitely we want you to make the best decision for you. We are getting reports almost daily now, not daily, but a few times a week of cases, unknown cases of COVID at the hospitals or you know, patients we, that they didn't know had COVID until they were already there. And there may have been students on the unit, there may have been students in that room, nursing students, and then staff who've gotten diagnosed with COVID and they may have, students may have been on that unit. So they notify us and we notify the student. As long as you're wearing your personal protective equipment of the appropriate mask and an, and an eye protection, goggles, a face shield, then usually, depending on the type of contact you've had, your risk is considered anywhere from low to moderate to almost nothing, you know, depending on the contact. And we follow the CDC guidelines and so do the hospitals. But if you have questions about that or get that notification, you can certainly, um, you know, get in touch with me and we can talk, or your AD and we can talk about that. But that's how it lies right now. Um, this is a scary time and I feel for you. Um, as you probably are aware, healthcare providers are not necessarily getting COVID from the hospital. They're more getting it in the community. So the staff that get diagnosed with COVID aren't spreading it to their fellow staff members because everybody's wearing personal protective equipment, but they may be spreading it to people in the community. So we call that kind of a community acquired instead of a hospital acquired. But um, you know, these are things that you should know and think about and talk about and decide what's best for you yourself. If you feel that it's that you need to sit out a term, certainly, you know, that that's definitely if you you know possible and will support you through that. Um, you will have to take a little break from the program, but you can come back. Um, I would not go on the assumption that we are going to get over this anytime soon. Um, certainly, I am no expert uh, in COVID, and I don't claim to be. 
I think a lot of experts feel like we're looking at a whole nother year of this, and that may be. So, you know, just something to think about. I've gotten a lot of questions, and I think I address this every week as well, about a vaccination, about it. Um, and I believe, I don't know this for sure, but it's my firm belief that hospitals will require nurses, or not just nurses, but everybody to become immunized against COVID when the vaccine becomes available. And I can say with almost, you know, 100% certainty, I have, don't have this in writing because there's not a vaccine available, but their indication has been that there will be an expectation of students as well doing clinicals at their hospital. So again, these are just informed decisions that I want you to make sure that you can make. So you have this information ahead of time. Um, personally, if there was a vaccine available, I would take it tomorrow. <laughs> Today, I would be the first in line. I, I won't be eligible to be the first in line, but definitely it's something I would do if I could. Um, but not everybody feels that way, and I understand that, and I respect that. Um, this is not a situation where it's a subjective thing. It's literally an objective thing. If the hospital says we have to have this to do clinicals there, and you have to be able to do clinical to get through this program successfully, then that's just you know the way it is. I want to make sure everybody understands that even if during your clinical, your lab course, even if during your lab course, some of the activities are offered in a remote environment, it does not mean that that is a remote clinical. There will be times when every single lab course has to be on campus or at the hospital. You cannot take this program from another state with the hope that we are, you're going to have a remote clinical. You cannot be at work and be in a remote clinical on your phone or another device. You need to be available for your clinical day. If we find out about that, we will have to remove you from that clinical, from that lab course, and you'll have to repeat it at a different time when you are available. So I wanna make sure that's clear to everybody. That is incredibly important information to have. In January, many of you may have attended the student town hall. I wasn't able to be there. I think it was yesterday, uh, sorry, Wednesday. In January, the college has really taken the stance that they have, are, many students want on-campus classes. So they have really taken the stance that faculty can decide if they're going to teach a class remotely or in person. Many of the nursing faculty have chosen to remain remote for their theory classes, and many have, and some have chosen to be on campus for their theory classes. If we have on-campus theory classes, or when we have on-campus theory classes in January, they will be unusual in terms of their placement. It probably will not be in a classroom setting at, like you're used to. It will likely be in an auditorium or a gymnasium with desks or a way to write. Um, we're looking at all of the available venues across all three campuses. I know that on North Campus, some classes will be held at the Omni Auditorium. This is so that we can provide for appropriate social distancing and still allow you to be in class. For those classes that are offered on ground, that are face-to-face, -face, they will be offered just face-to-face. -face. So just on-campus 
theory classes, not some of you at home, some of you in the classroom. That is up to the individual professor, but we do, we will have that information before the class starts. That's our plan right now. Anything could change. And we know that. So many people have asked me, do you guarantee this? Do you guarantee that? Nope, don't guarantee anything because I have no idea what's going to happen in the next two months. Um, I think we've kind of all got to the point where we understand that things are never going back to the way they were in March and the first of March of this year. And we just have to figure things out as we go. All of the lab courses in January will have an on-campus and or an on at hospital component okay once again you will not be able this is not a distance program you will not be able to be in another state this is a synchronous program you are not able to be at work and still be present at your clinical period end of story those are the rules okay we will follow college policy if you become ill, if you have a death in your family, or some, or you have a military obligation, we will follow college policy, but you must be available for your clinical day. Okay, I feel like I've said that over and over and over, and I'm still getting, you know, questions about that and comments about that. Questions are fine. Um, I have to tell you that it was a tough week with with complaints um, and I think there a lot of those complaints are coming from people's exhaustion and stress over everything that's happening outside of school and then trying to deal with school um, and this just exhaustion with this entire situation feeling like you're in isolation maybe doing remote classes so I will tell you that one of the comments I heard this week from a student, that a student said, why would I have to come to campus when the dean and the AD are not coming to campus? And I can tell you that that really upset me because I've been here. I've been here almost every single day or on one campus or the other since at least the week after we went to remote delivery. I tried working from home. It didn't work for me. I feel that it's important to be here. I wanted to be here. I like being here since we have nursing students on campus, and I can tell you that the associate deans have come and gone from all three campuses. We have been here and we continue to be here, but that's not really the point. The point is that we have a different role than you do in this program. I'm the program administrator and I have a different role than a student. So I have been where you have been and I understand what you're going through, but you have not been where I've been and I'm doing my job here and I'm happy to explain my job and my job, um, my job description is available that is public record, what the job description of a dean is here at Broward College, all of the policies are available, they're public record, they're available on Broward.edu, but you know, it's your role to be a student and it's my role to be the administrator. Personally, I feel that it's important as be, in being the administrator that I'm here on campus and visible. That is not the way maybe all other deans feel and I completely respect that. They have different programs. All of the assistive people have been on campus 
if you don't see them, it's because we are trying to provide for their safety and allow them to be isolated within the department and not have the public have access to them to keep to provide some measures of safety for them. So that's just to address that. I sent out the code of conduct to everybody this week and I notified our student dean and I notified the the ombudsperson's office of some of the concerns that I've heard voiced and I want to reiterate the student code of conduct. Everything that's listed on there, it's not inclusive of what constitutes inappropriate conduct. There can be other things. But being rude or offensive to a faculty member, to your professor in a chat, in a Zoom or Blackboard Collaborate session is against the code of conduct. Just so you know, those sessions are archived. Everything that you write in a chat is archived. Anything that you put in writing in a WhatsApp group, in a text group, and somebody sends to a professor or an AD is archived. We have that information. That, is, that can actually be discoverable through a public record search as well. You need to concentrate on what you are doing and how you are learning and focus on your own learning. There are two things I'm going to suggest to you. The first is that the nursing students in our ASN program that are graduating in December and those that graduated in May and last December and are currently in the RN to BSN program are incredible resources and good mentors. If you feel that you would benefit from speaking to somebody who has gone before you, I can try and put you in touch with a mentor. Their behavior has been exemplary. They have handled this last year with professionalism and poise and I couldn't be prouder of them and I hope that everybody will look at how they've acted and model themselves after that which brings me to my second suggestion everything I learned in nursing not everything but everything I learned about communication pretty much it came from watching my co-workers so when I watch my coworkers, um, if any of you are working currently in a hospital as a nursing assistant, or maybe a patient transporter, or even in the kitchen, or actually probably anywhere you work, you know when you get there and there's a group of people, there's that one person, say you work in a restaurant, there's that one person whose customers are always unhappy. Trust me, there's that one person on the nursing unit whose patients are always unhappy because of the way they talk to them watch that person <clears throat> and then pardon me <clears throat> and then don't do what that person does but then there's that one person whose customers whose patients whose co-workers are always happy with them watch that person listen to them learn from them and let that be your guide and then emulate them I cannot tell you how many things I've learned from just being observant and watching patterns when I took care of open heart patients, um, it was at a heart hospital. We had a little bit different situation than we have here at, in South Florida. But after the first two hours of what we called recovery, the family was allowed to come in. 
And you know, sometimes the families have so much stress that they, they really don't know how to act around somebody who's sick, and you'll find that out. And they need a little guidance and from nursing, but not bashing from nursing. So if you say, stop waking up your loved one, stop waking up your husband, stop waking up your son, stop waking up your mother, it's probably not going to work. So that was always a really big deal for me. They would come in, they would see the, they would see the patient, and then you know we, I'd kind of gently suggest that he he get the chance to go back to sleep, just having open heart surgery, and the family would leave, and then they would just come back in at random times, and every time they would come in, it would wake up the patient, and. They would say, but I'm just standing at the door. And I understand that, but you and I both know if somebody's standing at the door, that sense of somebody watching you kicks in and you wake up. So I heard one of my coworkers, uh, Nicole Kinneman, who will never hear this, but I could use her name anyway, um, talk to a family one day very gently about the fact that when, they're, when the patient was sleeping, when their family member who just had open heart surgery was sleeping, it was quite obvious that they were resting and they weren't in pain. When they woke up, they would feel the pain. And that we, as nursing staff, had to wake them up every now and then to do certain things, have them cough and deep breathe. So if we could time it together so they didn't wake the patient up, it would save the patient a certain amount of pain. And that really seemed to resonate with the patient, with the families. And so I started using that. I really didn't think of saying it that way. I learned to say it that way from watching Nicole and listening to Nicole. And I did this throughout my nursing career. I picked up on patterns and the way things were, and I picked up on communication. So the reason I told you that is because this is something that you can use in your nursing program. So when you're in class, whether it's remote or in person, you cannot tell me that you don't sit in class and there's one person who, when they ask a question, you can almost see it on the professor's face or in their mannerisms and you can see in the rest of the students. Or not ask a question, but maybe just make a comment. The way that influences the entire group in a negative way. But then you can see that there's that one student who is attentive, who is watching, who has these great communication skills, and they ask a question or make a comment, and the whole thing changes. It's a whole different story. Watch those people. Instead of bashing your classmates that are doing well, instead of accusing them of cheating, accusing them of you know information that you don't have, talk with them. Ask them, I see you're doing really well in this class. Can you give me some hints on what you're doing? That might be different than what I'm doing. Tell them what you're doing and then listen to them. It's the same way with the professors. You go to the professor and you say, this is what I've been doing. It doesn't seem to be working. What would you suggest I'm doing? What would you suggest I do? And then when they give you the suggestions, take them. But you can do that with your classmates as well. If you have classmates that you know are doing well, figure out what they're doing and do the same thing. Just emulate them, imitate them. Oh my gosh, they're writing these kind of notes. Will you show me how to write those kind of notes? Write those kind of notes. Don't be making comments about a professor's teaching, another student's ability or inability to learn, or the way you think exams should be to your classmates, to the professor, or in the chats in the classrooms, or in a written forum such as WhatsApp or a text group. That information 
in the classroom is seen by your professors. That information sent to your friends is often sent to your professors. Those are grounds for code of conduct violations. A code of conduct violation is not a small incident. It is a big thing. So that's all I want to say on that because I know that the majority of you, if you're having those kinds of issues, you're maybe acting out of frustration. Um, and I understand that. That's happened to me in the past few weeks. I snapped at somebody the other day who I would never snap at. And it's just exhaustion and frustration. And um, so it is tough. I understand that. But let's keep the level of our program high. Let's, um, let's, let's keep it at a high level. Let's continue that professionalism and integrity and poise that we've always been known for and make the best of this horrible situation. All right. I hope you guys have a great weekend. Thanks so much for listening and I'll talk to you next time.